Welcome to Catholic Light. Join me, Becca Doherty, each week as we shed a little light while keeping the conversation light. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Catholic Light. Thanks for joining me. On today's episode, we'll talk about the Eucharist. And on the second half of the episode, we'll read paragraphs 1322 through 1344, continuing our journey through the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Uh, we'll focus on paragraph 1336 today, which quotes from the Gospel of John and speaking of the Eucharist, uh, th this saying is hard, who can accept it? So our belief in the Eucharist, the teaching on the Eucharist, is that this bread and wine becomes Jesus's body and blood, which is this incredible, beautiful belief, beautiful teaching. But when you think about it, it's kind of hard. Okay, hard to understand, um, hard to wrap our minds around that. And so it's good to know uh, why we believe, what we believe, and where that comes from. Oftentimes, uh, Jesus and his teachings are misunderstood. So we've talked about this before. Um, oftentimes, Jesus is kind of domesticated. So he's seen as kind of this like peaceful hippie, um, kind of like an Eastern guru. Uh, I used to work with a, a priest who said that, you know, sometimes people picture him as the, the weekend golfer, just real laid back and uh, putting his teaching out there saying, accept it if you want, if you don't, all good. Um, but remember that, that Jesus's teachings were, were so bold, so challenging, that ultimately people killed him over it. Um, it. His teachings and he himself challenged people to change their lives, change their ways. Um, and that, that's hard. That's hard for, for us today. It was hard for people back then uh, to be told that we're, you know, wait a minute, I'm not perfect. I can't just, you know, keep going as I've been doing. Uh, Jesus, like he did then, comes into our lives now and uh, challenges us to, to change, to grow, to be better, to be the men and women he called us to be. So let's look for a moment at paragraph 1336 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. It says, the first announcement of the Eucharist divided the disciples, just as the announcement of the Passion scandalized them. This is a hard saying, who can listen to it? The Eucharist and the cross are stumbling blocks. It is the same mystery and it never ceases to be an occasion of division. Will you also go away? The Lord's question echoes through the ages as a loving invitation to discover that only he has the words of eternal life and that to receive in faith the gift of his Eucharist is to receive the Lord himself. Okay. So Jesus invites us to receive his body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist every day if we want. Um, we might be able to think of, you know, maybe one or two other ways where you can get close to, to someone or something, but eating, being nourished by something as it goes into our bodies, it breaks down, it energizes us, again, nourishes us, strengthens us, um, is about as close as you can get um, to, in this case, God himself in the Eucharist. So here we are 2,000 years after Christ has, has instituted the Eucharist, uh, has put forth this teaching that the bread and wine consecrated by the priest at Mass becomes his, again, body, blood, soul, and divinity for us to consume, to be nourished by, to be strengthened, to be that close with 
the second person of the Trinity, God himself. Um, so it's, it, it's easy to, thousands of years later, almost take that for granted. Maybe we were raised in the faith, we grew up hearing the teaching of the Eucharist. Um, but if you can step back from the teaching for a moment and try to picture yourself as one of the disciples when Christ was, was first teaching this, um, it's a little shocking. And we might be able to understand why, uh, as is recounted in the Gospel of John chapter six, often referred to as the bread of life discourse, that this, this saying is hard, who can accept it? And so we'll see uh, in this passage that, that some turn away and no longer follow him, um, but others persevere. They, they accept this hard teaching. And so again, as the catechism tells us, it's, it's the same for us today. It's, it's a beautiful teaching, one that makes sense. Okay, we're being nourished, strengthened, et cetera, by God himself, but it's also pretty wild, okay, that we're, we're allowed to and invited to consume um, God himself, to be one with him um, through the Eucharist. What I would do with my students uh, to go through this teaching on the Eucharist is look at three passages. So two passages uh, talk about how Jesus was talking about food or bread, in one case, leaven, and the apostles, the disciples, those listening to him, were a little confused about what he was saying. And so they said, are you talking about food? Are you talking about bread? And in each of those first two passages, he clarifies himself. He says, no, I'm not talking about literal bread. I'm talking about doing the will of my father. I'm talking about the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. When we get to the Gospel of John then, chapter six, the bread of life discourse, again, the disciples, the apostles, those listening question him, are you talking about food or what? what are you saying? You want us to do what? And instead of Jesus saying, no, 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 I'm speaking figuratively, or no, 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 I'm talking about the will of the Father, or I'm talking about the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. He, he doesn't do that. He says, no, I'm talking about literally eating my body and drinking my blood, being one with me through the Eucharist. So first we would look at this passage from the Gospel of John, chapter four, verses 31 through 34. In it, Jesus is speaking of food. Uh, the disciples say, could someone have brought him something to eat? Is that where we get this food uh, discussion? And Jesus looks at the disciples and he says, no, 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 I'm not speaking about uh, literal food. I'm speaking about doing the will of my Father. In doing the will of my Father, that nourishes me, that strengthens me, and so it's like eating good, healthy food. So Jesus talks about food, in this case, uh, symbolically. The disciples are confused, so Jesus clarifies, no, I'm speaking symbolically. In a second gospel passage, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, verses 5 through 12, uh, Jesus is talking about the leaven or the yeast, that agent that makes bread rise, uh, the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So he's talking about these two Jewish sects and how they can kind of like stir up trouble um, among the people. So Jesus says something that refers to food, bread, leaven. The disciples are confused. They say, are you talking about bread? Jesus says, no, 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 I'm talking about um, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees. And he says, how do you not comprehend that I was not speaking to you about bread? So he very clearly says, again, no, 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 I'm, I'm speaking symbolically. In John chapter six then, okay, verses 51 through 66, Jesus starts talking about the Eucharist. He says, 
Um, in verse 51, he's talking about food. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. In verse 52, then the disciples question, how can this be? You want us to eat your flesh and, and drink your blood? Jesus then says in verses 53 through 59, again and again, yes, in fact, I do. Uh, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you do not have life within you. Um, eat my flesh, drink my blood, uh, be one with me through this Eucharist that I'm, that I'm instituting. So then in verse 60, the disciples question again, this saying is hard, who can accept it? Like you want us to do what? Instead of saying, like Jesus did in those other two passages, you know what, I, I'm just speaking symbolically about being one with me, about eating my flesh and drinking my blood. He doesn't say that. He says again, eat my flesh and drink my blood. He clarifies, no, I'm actually speaking literally here, um, and this is what, what I'm inviting you to do. So it, it's in that last verse, John chapter 6, verse 66, which over the years my students would say like, oh my gosh, 666, is that by accident or on purpose? All the disciples, or excuse me, a number of disciples leave Jesus. So it says that, um, the, the saying is too hard. Okay, what, what you're asking us to do is, is a little strange. And so that, that last line of the Bread of Life discourse, uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 66, it says that the disciples, some of the disciples leave and no longer follow him. So they got by the end of that discourse, the end of this passage, that Jesus was literally saying, I am going to leave something with all of you that literally becomes my body and blood so that I can continue to nourish, strengthen, and be so close to you. Because he knew he was going to suffer, die, resurrect, and ultimately go back to heaven. Um, and so he institutes something so that we can continue. Here we are 2,000 years later. We can continue to be um, nourished by him, fed by him, so close to him, uh, so as to continue our, our, our walk with him. So as we come to the, the end of this first half of the episode, uh, I'd like to propose two practical applications. Uh, so first, um, let's go to the Eucharist. Okay, let's receive him, uh, God, the second person of the Trinity, God himself. Let's receive him uh, through his body and blood, soul and divinity. Let's receive him through the Eucharist and um, continue to be nourished by him, strengthened by him so that we can walk with him and uh, live the, the beautiful lives that he has called us to live. Secondly, I invite you to spend a couple minutes looking up each of those passages. So revisit the Gospel of John chapter 4, verses 31 through 34. Take a look at Matthew 16, verses 5 through 12. And then finally, spend some time with the Gospel of John chapter 6, verses 51 through 66. These are great passages um, to help us understand that Jesus sometimes spoke symbolically, sometimes spoke figuratively, but when he did and people were confused, he clarified for them. No, I'm speaking symbolically. Then in the Gospel of John chapter six, the Bread of Life discourse, he clarifies for those who are again a little confused, no, now I'm speaking literally. This is the teaching I'm leaving with you. Um, this is the way that I, I continue to, I will continue to wanna be close to you. 
So spend a little time just looking up those three passages, uh, maybe jot those three references down on a card, have them on hand so that uh, each of us personally can come to understand that teaching on the Eucharist a little bit more. Um, but also if, if someone is wondering, um, what do Catholics believe about the Eucharist? You could pull out these three scripture passages and uh, be ready to explain that the, there's something a little different, something very different in fact, uh, when it comes to the Eucharist. So now we'll take a, a brief break, and then we'll return on the second half to read our catechism selection for the day. Thanks for sticking around. You are listening to Catholic Light. Thank you for joining me each week as we read through the Catechism of the Catholic Church and discuss some of its beautiful teachings. Hi, and welcome back. We'll now read our catechism selection for the week, paragraphs 1322 through 1344. Article three, the sacrament of the Eucharist. The Holy Eucharist completes Christian initiation. Those who have been raised to the dignity of the royal priesthood by baptism and configured more deeply to Christ by confirmation, participate with the whole community in the Lord's own sacrifice by means of the Eucharist. At the Last Supper, on the night he was betrayed, our Savior instituted the Eucharistic sacrifice of his body and blood. This he did in order to perpetuate the sacrifice of the cross throughout the ages until he should come again, and so to entrust to his beloved spouse, the Church, a memorial of his death and resurrection. A sacrament of love, a sign of unity, a bond of charity, a paschal banquet in which Christ is consumed, the mind is filled with grace, and a pledge of future glory is given to us. The Eucharist, source and summit of ecclesial life. The Eucharist is the source and summit of the Christian life. The other sacraments and indeed all ecclesiastical ministries and works of the apostolate are bound up with the Eucharist and are oriented toward it. For in the blessed Eucharist is contained the whole spiritual good of the church, namely Christ himself, our Pash. The Eucharist is the efficacious sign and sublime cause of that communion in the divine life and that unity of the people of God by which the church is kept in being. It is the culmination both of God's action sanctifying the world in Christ and of the worship men offer to Christ and through him to the Father in the Holy Spirit. Finally, by the Eucharistic celebration, we already unite ourselves with the heavenly liturgy and anticipate eternal life when God will be all in all. In brief, the Eucharist is the sum and summary of our faith. Our way of thinking is attuned to the Eucharist, and the Eucharist, in turn, confirms our way of thinking. What is this sacrament called? The inexhaustible richness of the sacrament is expressed in the different names we give it. Each name evokes certain aspects of it. It is called Eucharist because it is an action of thanksgiving to God. The Greek words Eucharistine and Eologine Recall the Jewish blessings that proclaim, especially during a meal, God's works, creation, redemption, and sanctification. The Lord's Supper, because of its connection with the supper which the Lord took with his disciples on the eve of his passion, and because it anticipates the wedding feast of the Lamb in the heavenly Jerusalem. The breaking of bread, because Jesus used this rite, part of a Jewish meal, when as master of the table he blessed and distributed the bread, above all at the Last Supper. It is by this action that his disciples will recognize him after his resurrection. And it is this expression that the first Christians will use to designate their Eucharistic assemblies. 
By doing so, they signified that all who eat the one broken bread, Christ, enter into communion with him and form but one body in him. The Eucharistic Assembly, or Synaxis, because the Eucharist is celebrated amidst the assembly of the faithful, the visible expression of the church, the memorial of the Lord's passion and resurrection, the Holy Sacrifice, because it makes present the one sacrifice of Christ the Savior and includes the church's offering, the terms Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, Sacrifice of Praise, Spiritual Sacrifice, Pure and Holy Sacrifice are also used since it completes and surpasses all the sacrifices of the Old Covenant. The Holy and Divine Liturgy, because the Church's whole liturgy finds its center and most intense expression in the celebration of this sacrament. In the same sense, we also call its celebration the Sacred Mysteries. We speak of the Most Blessed Sacrament because it is the Sacrament of Sacraments. The Eucharistic species reserved in the tabernacle are designated by this same name. Holy Communion, because by this sacrament we unite ourselves to Christ, who makes us shares in his body and blood to form a single body. We also call it the Holy Things, the first meaning of the phrase communion of saints in the Apostles' Creed, the bread of angels, bread from heaven, medicine of immortality, viaticum. Holy Mass, or Misa, because the liturgy in which the mystery of salvation is accomplished concludes with the sending forth, or the missio, of the faithful, so that they may fulfill God's will in their daily lives. The Eucharist in the economy of salvation. The signs of bread and wine. At the heart of the Eucharistic celebration are the bread and wine that, by the words of Christ and the invocation of the Holy Spirit, become Christ's body and blood. Faithful to the Lord's command, the Church continues to do in his memory and until his glorious return what he did on the eve of his passion. He took bread. He took the cup filled with wine. The signs of bread and wine become, in a way surpassing understanding, the body and blood of Christ. They continue also to signify the goodness of creation. Thus, in the offertory, we give thanks to the Creator for bread and wine fruit of the work of human hands, but above all, as fruit of the earth and of the vine, gifts of the Creator. The Church sees in the gesture of the King Priest Melchizedek, who brought out bread and wine, a prefiguring of her own offering. In the Old Covenant, bread and wine were offered in sacrifice among the first fruits of the earth as a sign of grateful acknowledgement to the Creator. But they also received a new significance in the context of the Exodus. The unleavened bread that Israel eats every year at Passover commemorates the haste of the departure that liberated them from Egypt. The remembrance of the manna in the desert will always recall to Israel that it lives by the bread of the word of God. Their daily bread is the fruit of the promised land, the pledge of God's faithfulness to his promises. The cup of blessing at the end of the Jewish Passover meal adds to the festive joy of wine an eschatological dimension the messianic expectation of the rebuilding of Jerusalem. When Jesus instituted the Eucharist, he gave a new and definitive meaning to the blessing of the bread and the cup. The miracles of the multiplication of the loaves, when the Lord says the blessing, breaks and distributes the loaves through his disciples to feed the multitude, prefigure the superabundance of this unique bread of his Eucharist. The sign of water turned into wine at Cana already announces the hour of Jesus's glorification. It makes manifest the fulfillment of the wedding feast in the Father's kingdom, where the faithful will drink the new wine that has become the blood of Christ. The first announcement of the Eucharist divided the disciples, just as the announcement of the Passion scandalized them. 
This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? The Eucharist and the cross are stumbling blocks. It is the same mystery, and it never ceases to be an occasion of division. Will you also go away? The Lord's question echoes through the ages as a loving invitation to discover that only he has the words of eternal life, and that to receive in faith the gift of his Eucharist is to receive the Lord himself. The Institution of the Eucharist. The Lord, having loved those who are his own, loved them to the end. Knowing that the hour had come to leave this world and return to the Father, in the course of a meal, he washed their feet and gave them the commandment of love. In order to leave them a pledge of this love, in order never to depart from his own, and to make them sharers in his Passover, he instituted the Eucharist as the memorial of his death and resurrection, and commanded his apostles to celebrate it until his return. Thereby, he constituted them priests of the New Testament. The three synoptic gospels and St. Paul have handed on to us the account of the institution of the Eucharist. St. John, for his part, reports the words of Jesus in the synagogue of Capernaum that prepare for the institution of the Eucharist. Christ calls himself the bread of life, come down from heaven. Jesus chose the time of Passover to fulfill what he had announced at Capernaum, giving his disciples his body and his blood. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover meal for us, that we may eat it. They went and prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, he sat at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I shall not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after supper, saying, This cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. By celebrating the Last Supper with his apostles in the course of the Passover meal, Jesus gave the Jewish Passover its definitive meaning. Jesus is passing over to his Father by his death and resurrection, the new Passover, is anticipated in the Supper and celebrated in the Eucharist, which fulfills the Jewish Passover and anticipates the final Passover of the Church in the glory of the Kingdom. Do this in memory of me. The command of Jesus to repeat his actions and words until he comes does not only ask us to remember Jesus and what he did. It is directed at the liturgical celebration by the apostles and their successors of the memorial of Christ, of his life, of his death, and of his resurrection, and of his intercession in the presence of the Father. From the beginning, the church has been faithful to the Lord's command. Of the church of Jerusalem, it is written, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they partook of food with glad and generous hearts. It was above all on the first day of the week, Sunday, the day of Jesus' resurrection, that the Christians met to break bread. From that time on, down to our own day, the celebration of the Eucharist has been continued, so that today we encounter it everywhere in the church with the same fundamental structure. It remains the center of the church's life. Thus, from celebration to celebration, as they proclaim the Paschal mystery of Jesus until he comes, the pilgrim people of God advances, following the narrow way of the cross, toward the heavenly banquet, when all the elect will be seated at the table of the kingdom. This brings us to the end of our reading selection and the end of our episode. Thanks for joining me for another week.
Between this week and next week's episode, please connect with me on Instagram at Catholic Light Podcast. And in the meantime, please pray for me. I'll be praying for you. God bless you. Thanks for joining me this week on Catholic Light. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with your family and your friends. And connect with me through Facebook and Instagram. I'll see you next week. And in the meantime, God bless you.